Hey, I'm Rob from Solutions Brewing. You guys probably don't know me. Uh, <laughs> I live in uh, I'm living in Airdrie, and I'm here with uh, Brendan and Steve. Brendan's in Bright Creek, Steven's in Calgary. We form Solutions Brewing. We're currently a contracting brewery uh, looking to go and start a brick and mortar. Our podcast here, we're, we want to talk about problems that we uh, have encountered as home brewers and problems that we're encountering throughout our journey to become professional brewers and uh, solutions that we have. You know, our motto is no problems, just solutions. I think out of the three of us, I started the earliest. Um, yes, you did. <laughs> it's probably pushing like eight years uh, when I first started. And uh, that started out as just doing research. Like, I was like, you know, I really like beer and I was drinking a lot of it. And I was like, I mean, this can't be that hard to do. This has been being made for centuries. <laughs> so there's, there's got to be ways to do this. And, uh, you know, I was reading and reading and reading. I finally just took the plunge. And, you know, you go buy one of those uh, starter kits, which is just like a, a plastic bucket and a, and a plastic spoon and, uh, and a beer kit. Or the, the wart is already made for you. You, know, you just dump it into the bucket and sprinkle your yeast on and, and you have beer in two weeks. And I was like, I should have done this sooner. <laughs> Because <laughs> that was way too easy. <laughs> and I think I did maybe, I don't know, five or six kits. And I was like, okay, well, this is too easy. And I, I want kind of like more control over uh, the flavor and what comes out of it. So I started doing uh, extract brewing. And I don't know if I should say I actually started extract brewing. I did only one extract brew. And I didn't like it because I didn't like messing around with like the powders and the syrups. I, th- I was just, it was just a mess. And again, you didn't really get that like level of control that I really wanted. But the only real difference for that was like a pot, right? You needed a pot to actually do your own boil. And that was no big deal. You're graduating from a, a bucket and spoon to actually managing a boil for a little while. And then having to chill it, which I was just filling a sink with cold water, putting the pot in there, and then stir the wort so that like try to get it to cool down, which took forever. You're standing there like, oh man, good thing hockey's on. <laughs> Watch the hockey game while you're stirring your pot. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, I mean that's how I got started into it, and that's how I got into home brewing uh, all grain. And it's, it's one of those things, especially for me, like when you enjoy it. It becomes more than a hobby. <laughs> so you start researching gear and your stuff starts expanding. Like I've got a water pump. I've got a wart pump now. Uh, you know, dedicated chiller, you know, hoses and clamps. And some of it is homemade because you're like, I need something. You're just doing whatever you need to do to make something work. And then, uh, then yeah, then I ended up meeting you guys at uh, Stampede Party, right? Yeah. I was uh, here at Stampede parties for sure. Yeah. I don't know if it was the same year. It was either that year or the year after that we all supplied uh, competing beers for that party. All right, well, I'm Brendan with Solutions Brewing. So I started homebrewing. I, I can't remember the exact year. It would have been five or six years ago now. Um, and, and Steve and I kind of both started right around the same time. And similar to Rob and I, I imagine most people started with uh, just a kit. So get the kit, put it in the bucket and all that sort of stuff. And off you go to the races. And that was fine, but it was always, okay, there should be more, there should be more. So the next one we tried was an extract kit. And that extract kit, Steve and I made together at my place, and it (laughs) was a pile of fun to make because it did require a boil, and we didn't have a pot that was big enough to accommodate the volume of the boil. So I ended up borrowing from my brother a ice 
Carif that was intended to be used as a display item for chilled wines and all that sort of stuff, but it happened to hold enough volume for the, the five-gallon boil. It was not meant to be put on a stove. <laughs> so we were pumping it up. Uh, and the damn thing starts popping and cracking and we're freaking out about the beer. But they, it held up through the boil and that, that was fine. So that was, But it took longer than we anticipated to, to get the thing up to temperature through all the specialty malt in. And the extract started the boil. Everything was great. Had to do the chill. Chilled it outside. It happened to be winter. So we had a nice cool temperature outside. We thought we'd be nice and clever and put a bunch of snow around it to help it cool faster. And then about 40 minutes later, remembered that snow was actually a great insulator. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So we removed all the snow. And anyway, long story short, we got the damn thing brewed and it was a pretty good IPA, but again, wasn't quite what we wanted. So we started looking at, okay, what do you actually need to do this from scratch? And from an extract kit to a full all grain, there's not a lot more required, particularly since we went into a uh, brew in a bag system. And actually, this would have been right around the time that we would have met you, Rob, because I remember you uh, putting me on the grapes to glass as the, the store to go to for the grain. Yeah, because our first all grain, we needed the supplies to keg it to, uh, to actually carbonate it. And we went to Rob to basically be like, he knows what to do. And there we go. Yeah, that's right. We borrowed a keg. We borrowed some CO2. We borrowed everything from you. And then we went out and bought it like the next week. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Uh, I still swear by Grapes to Glass, man. Uh, like I live in Airdrie, and Grapes to Glass is all the way down on 17th and Sarcee, basically. And I drive from Airdrie all the way down there to get supplies. I probably drive by like 10 stores <laughs> to go to that one. But that that is my go-to. Doug, Doug's the owner there. He's a pretty awesome guy. He's got some pretty good staff that works there, too. They're all pretty funny. But, uh, yeah, I swear by that store. Steve, do you want to? So, hi, this is Stephen Sock from uh, Solutions Brewing Company. And like Brendan, uh, we basically, yep, we did start at the same time, and it was because we were brewing wine. I had just moved into my own place. I'd been living with my uh, then-girlfriend, now wife, and, you know, was in a tiny little apartment, but never had space for wine stuff. And my dad was always a big wine guy. has been making wine for 30-plus years at this point in time. I still remember actually as a kid, like being four or five, and cutting the heads off of dandelions to make dandelion wine. So it's been going on for years and years. And since I moved into my own place, he actually gave me half of his setup. So it gave me a carboy, a pail, a siphon, and basically said, you should start making wine. So of course I did, because wine is delicious. Until one day, Brendan came and said to me, he said, hey, do you know that we're basically, we can just buy a kit and make beer? And I went, that is a fantastic idea. Let's do it. And similar to Brendan, we did with the uh, in a bag kit and then did extract and then went straight into all grain. So like we very rapidly progressed through stages to get to all grain. And uh <laughs> And Brennan likes to say that he's uh, he's cheap every once in a while, but I'm even cheaper because uh, at the time, Brennan bought the pot and I would drive across Calgary to go borrow the pot for a weekend. So I would make one or two brews and then clean it and return it to him. And it, I did that for like a year or something like that. It was it was a silly amount of time for, again, the hundred bucks or 120 bucks it is for a friggin pot. 
But yeah, no, I did that because I'm like, nope, I've got everything else. I can just borrow Brennan's pot. <laughs> I yeah. drank enough of your beer that you paid for the pot rental that way. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and then the interesting thing with me is that uh, ever, ever since I got the kit, what I did for about the first two years is try to recreate commercial recipes because Calgary has a great brewing scene and has, you know, tons of great brewers. And, you know, we, we will join the physical, you know, locations of those, uh, those great areas very, very soon. Cause I would go out and have beers and be like, I can make that. I think I can make that at least. And one of my first big successes was recreating uh, Big Rock Trad, or traditional. Uh, for those who don't know, Big Rock is probably the first quote-unquote craft brewery that existed in Calgary for about the last 30 to 40 years. Because the rules in Calgary, or in Alberta in general, used to be a lot more stringent. You used to have to have minimum production values. So you need a lot of money to start up to get all your supplies and the vessels and all that. And so for a long time, if you wanted, you know, not Molson, not Budweiser, not Bud Light or anything, at least in the area, you have Big Rock. And one of their standard beers is traditional, which drank a lot, you know, during my uh, my engineering days and all that. So when we started home brewing, I wanted, I'm like, I can make that at home. I think I can make it at home. So I did a little bit of research and figured out, you know, you know what kind of malts went into it, what kind of hops went into it, and then that really, you know, sparked it for me. It was trying to figure out what it was, what was the recipe, and I got it. You know, I I got this confirmed many years later by someone who actually worked at the brewery, but I was basically spot on with my malt counts, and I knew what the hop schedule was. I, I my own personal brew doesn't use that hop schedule because it's. Uh, it's Amarillo and Mosaic hops, which, depending on the season, you just can't get. But I use uh, I use another more traditional hop in its place instead. And then ever since then, you know, it's basically I have a nice brew, and I'm like, I want to create that. I want to make it better. And, yeah, that's basically my beer story. <laughs> Sounds like we all have a common theme, and eh? we all had to something. We're like, you know what? This is fine, but we can do better. A lot of that goes to, I mean, both Brendan and Steve, you guys both have engineering backgrounds. Um, I'm an engineer quitter. I know I, I studied it for a couple of years in university. I'm like, nope, <laughs> it wasn't for me. But I have a, as a computer science degree, it's it's kind of, um, I mean, pretty much every, all of us with, uh, you know, anyone who's into sciences has pretty much got that. Uh, it's called an experimentation bug where you, you always have something and you always want to tweak it until you get it to the way that you want it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. Because, yeah, after learning, you know, because, again, your first couple beers, like, you you do, and you're like, wow, this is way simpler than I thought it was. Why wasn't I doing this sooner? And then after that, you're like, hey, these guys can do it. What, what's the harm in, you know, changing the malts, like adding some more biscuit or doing some more, like, chocolate malt to something and seeing what I can make out of it? Because, yeah, experimentation like there's an infinite amount of possibilities there. Yeah, especially uh, nowadays with uh, you know we have a lot, lot better access to different malts and different hops and and man, there's like all kinds of different types of yeast too. So even if you yeah. just even if you keep your malts the same and then you just change your you know, your yeast and hops and you have a totally different beer. Yeah, there's a 
a local two local breweries in Calgary that really love to do that. Um, I think it's Born Colorado and yeah, Cabin Brewing. They really really love to brew the same beer, but then change either the hops or the yeast. And so like it's the same malt bill, but they change one of one of those and then they package and sell it as a hey there's this and that, and it's again remarkable the amount of difference you can get just with one ingredient change. Yeah, well, um, you know, I was learning that other other places do that too. Like Outcast is always known for coming out with these crazy beers and uh, they're always doing stuff in-house. Uh, and, you know, and for people listening who don't really understand this is that um, every time you create a new beer, you have to register it with AGLC and um, they charge you for it per, per product registration, right? And yeah. uh, what I found out was that... Um, if you keep the malt bill the same and change the other ingredients, they still consider it to be the same beer. So you can keep your malt the same, change your hops and yeast to get different flavor profiles, and it's still considered the same thing. So you don't have to keep paying the uh, registration fees. Which is pretty a really little solution there to get a new product out. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not a whole lot to do it, but it's, you know... I always consider it as, it's one of those things that are, you know, it's just enough to be annoying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so that's that's who we are. And uh, the, the, the podcast here will be having conversations like this, talking about home brewing issues, talking about commercial brewing issues, and generally just discussing beer, um, which is something we all love to do. And you can't see it, but we're also drinking beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course. All right, guys, uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we hope to see or hear you again in the next episode. Take care.